Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's magazine program where we bring you highlights of news from across the African continent. Yes, so we are a great people. But until the story of the hunt is told by the lion, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio magazine program with me, Munira Shayeb. With me today is Mark Simpson from Black History Studies. Mark gave a lecture recently to coincide with Black History Month, which is in October every year. The lecture was about African civilizations pre-enslavement. A bit about yourself, what you do um, in terms of work, uh, for our listeners to know uh, to know more about you. Okay, so my name is Mark Simpson, and with my wife, Charmaine Simpson, we run an organisation called Black History Studies. Uh, our main focus is educating the community to educate themselves. That is our strapline, that's what we do, and that's what we deal with all the time. Basically, um, we do uh, courses. So we do a beginner's course, which is 30 weeks, starting in January again. Uh, we do short courses, which mainly covers the history. Um, we do presentations, film screenings, markets, and uh, our sister company, Black History Study Tours, we do cultural tours to different places that people don't normally recognize uh, black history being there. The most obvious one we do is Egypt, but we also do Spain, um, Paris, Amsterdam, we've got a very good Black Amsterdam tour actually, it's a long weekend tour, about four days. And um, yeah, we go into schools, colleges, uh, into prison service to bring the service to as much people as possible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you recently gave a lecture about uh, African civilizations uh, pre slavery. Right. What prompted you to do this? Uh, because the rhetoric is African history started with slavery. I know as being educated in this um, country that when we were taught about black history at school, it was basically um, uh, you were a slave. Uh, um, before that, you were just sitting down doing nothing, basically waiting for us to come and civilise you. Yeah, And uh, through... Um, reading and research and all the rest of it, I got to understand that this is not the case. But then when I speak to people, even when we say to people, uh, why don't you come and do our courses, the, the first reaction would be, oh, we don't need to know about slavery. And then when I explain to them slavery is where African history actually ended, as opposed to began, they are very intrigued. And somebody said to me, why don't you do a presentation about it? Uh, when we started the organization 10 years ago um, we put to, together a book called Before the Slave Trade and published it so um, it was from that book as well that we took this presentation to enlighten people about the, the rich history of Africa before the slave trade. Mm -hmm. You also based it on an article by a Jamaican journalist in the uh, Jamaican Observer. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, Mr. Dingle, Michael Dingle. Uh, 9th of August 2008, he did an article in the um, Jamaican Observer saying that he believes slavery was good for black people. 
because if the Europeans didn't turn up and civilize us, we would still be worshipping trees and stones. We never knew nothing about government. We didn't know nothing about um, uh, civilization. There was no form of um, religion or spirituality or anything there. This is what he was saying, basically. So, um, again, that prompted me even more to put together the presentation. Okay. Um he also said in the article that Africans were not exposed to science and okay. languages uh, until slavery came. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he said that that's that's what was good for the for the African the contact with Europe. What Europe done is it introduced us to science and technology. This was his belief, and in my opinion, it wasn't done on any research because if he even scratched the surface, he would see that all science and technology started in Africa. And it was the African people that actually civilized the Europeans in many different ways. But um, when you, you are stolen away from your land and your history is suppressed and another person's history is imposed on you and that becomes the norm, it's then hard to get the information out to people to change their mindset. So, because the enslavement period was a very heinous period for Africans, and we still haven't recovered from it. We we haven't had any counselling. We haven't had any reparations. We haven't had any. We haven't had anything. So uh, it is our duty at Black History Studies to make sure we educate the people and give them enough information to do the research themselves. Because uh, knowledge is power. And knowledge of self is ultimate. Mm -hmm. So all that made you to take yourself to Africa, where slavery took place. Um, to certain places in Africa, certain countries, to find out for yourself what those countries were before slavery. What were your findings? Right, so um, a lot of my research was done from um, books written by people that did the field work. So the likes of Dr. Yusuf ben Yokanen, Sheikh Ante Diop, um, Carter G. Woodson. There, there is... Uh, Obashaka, Malara Karenga, um, Senegalese, uh, so Senegalese writer, Sheikh something. Sheikh that was yeah. the first person Antidio. I mentioned, yeah. yeah. And um, Renoko Rashidi. So these people, they have been at the places, done uh, the field work. I mentioned Carter G. Woodson, he's the American scholar, they got mixed up with somebody else. But they've done the field work, they've put it in writing. Uh, the places that I have visited on the continent of Africa is Nigeria, um, Ghana, Morocco, and Egypt so far. Still got another 50 countries to go. Mali. You've huh? been to Mali as well? Well, no. Mali, the, the information for Mali all came from, from books and images from that time. So the, the majority of the research did come from books, but this is the point. There's a lot of information out there and a lot of people don't know because um, a lot of it is obscure or some of it is suppressed. But the fact of the matter is there is information out there for people to seek and get the knowledge. So that's what I did and uh, I know nothing. That's how I see it. I know a bit, but there's so much more to learn. So it's a continue learning and um, I do want to visit these places to see for myself. When we was in 
Nigeria. We've uh, we met the king of Dahomey, but yeah, I still need to visit places like Mali, uh, Ethiopia, Benin, uh, the Nok regions of Nigeria. I would love to go there. Um, so many places: South Africa, Zimbabwe, um, the Congo. The history is rich, but then you know because of certain things that are going on out there at the moment it's not um, easily possible to get to these places so as and when I will make my way mm-hmm. get more information. At the presentation you showed some facts about the civilization in Mali and mm-hmm. Timbuktu mm-hmm. and also uh, you showed pictures from uh, Sudan, uh, yes. the pyramids of Sudan yeah. and I can't remember there was a third place that you showed pictures from can you tell us a bit more about that civilization of Timbuktu? What were the findings about the civilization in Mali, pre-slavery, and also the southern Sudan and the other places that you have well, based your research on? When we was at school, Timbuktu used to be a place that was ridiculed and said that you would be sent there if you was naughty and all the rest of it. Like it was a, so it, it, it wasn't given the credit that it deserved. So this is why we highlighted Timbuktu as well. And its importance. It is said, I can't remember what the do, where I read the document, but it was said that when Europeans got there, they um, they modelled what was going on there and came back to the UK and started um, Oxford University. I think it was in I think it was the 13th or 14th century. So the credit is not being given to Timbuktu, but Timbuktu was a place that had PhDs. So they had um, doctors of letters there, um, all giving their services to the king and being richly rewarded by the king for their services. And I asked somebody in the audience how long it took them to get their PhD, and they said five years. To get a PhD in um, Timbuktu at the time took you a minimum of 20 years. So it just goes to show that the standards of learning was right up there, um, if not the best. So Timbuktu is one of the places. Sudan, Sudan has a rich history. Um, Sudan is where the first pharaoh of Egypt came from, according to the teachings of Manefo, 5,570 BC, which is 7,000 years ago. That's when civilization started with pharaoh uh, Mena, some know him as Namir, the Greeks call him Menes. But... um, he came from Sudan, uh, went up the Nile into um, Lower Egypt, united the two crowns, and started the first dynasty of a 30 dynasty reign of ancient Egyptians. And um, Sudan is a place where there are loads of monuments, temples, and tombs built by the ancient Egyptians. Um, and People should go there and see it. We actually do tours to Egypt, and we take you to the borders of Sudan, uh, Aswan Dam, Lake Nassar, uh, what's it called, Abu Simbel, etc., etc. So these are places that people should go and visit and see the, the history that was left back there. The writing is literally on the wall in places like Sudan and um, Upper Egypt. 
recently people discovered pyramids in Sudan. Mm -hmm. Now, when people think pyramids, people globally, when they think pyramids, they think Egypt. Mm -hmm. but they never think Sudan. So um, how is this changing people's perception of Sudan? Sudan is portrayed in the news as a poor country, as a divided country because of the civil war, and now you have north and you have south. How, how is that changing people's perception of Sudan? Well, you see, because people don't know the history, it's not the first thing on their mind. So it, 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 Sudan, when it's mentioned, it's like mentioned in passing. Like there is no real importance, but there is a lot of importance. There's a lot of um, political things going on there, which I'm not prepared to talk about, to be honest. But um, the history has to be preserved. This is why we do the courses that we do. This is why we do the events that we do in order to make people aware that there is a great history there and they need to go and check it out and find out what's going on. Why is it like the way it is now? Why, uh, how did it change from how it used to be to where it was? Because there's so much history that people need to know, which will make them, um, put them in a better position to understand the world as it is today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, the, you talked about the pharaohs. The pharaoh empire did not stop at Egypt and Sudan. It included Ethiopia as well. Yes. Um, are people, when you talk to people, when you give your lectures, are people aware of this, that the pharaoh empire extended to include all those no, countries? No, no. The, the, some of the pharaoh's empires, for argument's sake, Fatmose III, he was... Uh, 18th, the sixth rule of the 18th dynasty of Egypt. 18th dynasty is New Kingdom period. His empire spread right up to what's now called the Middle East. He was in control of all of that area and down into places like um, the border of Ethiopia, etc. So um, people don't know the extent of the history and, and the power that was there at the time. They hear certain things and they just take it for granted that um, uh, the information that they're receiving is actually the full information. It's not. So this is why we encourage people to, we give them the tools to go and do the research themselves in order to gain more knowledge. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about um, uh, old civilizations like that, uh, there are other places in the region, not necessarily in Africa, places like Yemen, places like Syria and Iraq, that are now associated with wars, with destruction, yeah. with poverty, yeah. with, you know, all the images of destruction that we see. These are places of very old civilizations as well. Yes. Do you include this in your lectures? Of Do course, you, it's, yeah. all, it's all African civilization. Mm -hmm. There was one time that these places, Iraq and Iran and Yemen, used to be known as Africa Minor whereas the continent of Africa used to be Africa Major. It's connected to the continent uh, via the Suez Passage, etc., etc. And um, civilization started in Iraq, which was known as Sumer at that time, uh, 3,300 BC, right, to about 2,609 BC, where it, where it ended. But a lot of people, what they want to tell you is that civilization started there and not in Egypt, this is why they have long chronologies, short chronologies, all different chronologies to confuse and, and the dates and all that are different. But um, I always use the long chronology, which is the chronology of Manetho. And the long chronology says that the first civilization in Egypt, Pharaoh Menor, as I mentioned before, started 5,770 BC, which shows that the short chronology that was put together by uh, 
James Henry Breast, uh, Edward Meyer and James Breasted, Henry Breasted, they put together the short chronology and what that does is it knocks 2,500 years off the history. So this is so they can say that history, um, civilization didn't start in Africa, it actually started in Sumer. Um, Sumer being modern day Iraq, right? But then there is the Sumerian problem. What they want you to believe is that the people of Sumer back then looked like the people of Iraq today. No. The Sumerian problem will tell you that 95 up to 98% of the people in Sumer at that time when civilization started were Africans and of the African stock. So there is so much history. You mentioned Yemen. Oh, it's, there, there ain't enough time to go into even that information. But yeah, all of these areas were controlled by Africans. Mm -hmm. Even the pharaohs themselves, when you look closely at the features of the pharaohs, they have African features. Yes, yes. Africans of East Africa, obviously. Yeah. You know, but this is something that most people do not know. What are, what's the general response to your findings uh, when people talk to you after your lectures? What do you, what do you gather from their response? Their response is that they never knew anything of this stuff. And where did I get all of the information from? Uh, who can I reference, who, what can they read, and all the rest of it. So to them, the information is really obscure, and they, they just go with... There is, a, um, there is a movement out there that was trying to say that um, ancient Egypt was Caucasian, and this has been pushed. And even in the Cairo Symposium, uh, where Sheikh Ante Diop and uh, Fiofala Benga took on 18 other European and Arab scholars, to prove that ancient Egypt was African. And it was an overwhelming success for them when they did it. But when people hear this information, they don't know that these things have taken place. They, they just go with what they see. Mm -hmm. And I always encourage people to do their research. Don't take what you see as gospel, because sometimes there is an agenda. Mm -hmm. So you have to do the research yourself and make sure that um, you know the information for yourself. Mm -hmm. And do you plan to take this outside of London, maybe to oh, the, we do. other we, parts of the UK? We do go to other parts of the UK. Um, we've done lectures in Bristol, Birmingham, Coventry, Wolverhampton, Leeds. I was in Sheffield during Black History Month again this year. So we, as and when, if people call us and want us to come down there, we'll go down there and do that as well. Mm -hmm. Not a problem. And outside of the UK? Outside of the UK, it's more about the tours that we do. We haven't done any lectures as such, but we're working on that. Okay. People are contacting us. It's just to put, put it together and get it done. Now, um, Africa is always portrayed as a poor continent, as a charity case. Come and help Africa. Wherever you look on the, on the metro, on the underground, newspapers, wherever you turn your face, images of small kids with flies all around their faces, um, tears and all that, like suffering, like come and help us and stuff like that. Mm. Do you see this changing, that image of Africa from a place of charity to a place of power, powerful yeah, civilizations? This is the problem that powerful I Powerful history. This is the problem I have. The problem I have is when people talk about Africa, they talk about Africa as if, as if it's a country. It's a continent with 54 countries within it. So when you talk, when, when there is crisis in, um, for argument's sake, France, they don't say, oh, there's a crisis in Europe. They will say there's a crisis in France. 
So they should be more specific when they're saying that Africa needs help. Because the continent is one of the most, um, it's the fastest growing, um, what's it, GD, is it GDP? It has the mm -hmm. fastest growing GDP mm -hmm. on the planet right now. But these things are not shared with us. They always show the poverty, they never show the, um, the progress. And there's poverty everywhere, there's poverty in this country. I remember in the 80s they used to have cardboard city down in Waterloo where the whole of the area of Waterloo had homeless people in it. There was a report the other day. Can you tell us, you are also a musician, apart from um, African studies, um, you are also a musician. Can you tell us a, a bit about that? How you, what, what are the themes, what kind of music, who does it appeal to? Um, I do all types of music. Um, as well as black studies, we, we, um, um, I, music is my first love, been a musician for forever and a uh, performing artist, uh, performed in many countries across the world back in the day. But um, the song that you're talking about that you heard at the beginning of the thing is a fundraising song that I put together for Black History Studies for our 10th anniversary. So we got people to come down and uh, the guy that done the video, Joe Keegan, he was very good, did it on a really good budget as well. But it was mainly to just um, uh, let people know what Black History Studies is about in a musical way. But basically we put the track together to promote Black History Studies and so it's reggae music but like I said we do all types of genres but reggae is my favourite music. Do you play an instrument or...? I play keys, keyboards. Okay. I've got three guitars. Oh wow. But um, <laughs> I'm still lining up. I, 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 can, I used to could play but not at a level where I could continue to play so I need to start all over again in terms of I haven't touched them in years. But yeah, keyboards, I play keyboards. And you sing as well? Apparently, yes. <laughs> well, can we do a short... Uh, oh, you have the microphone. Yeah. A short... short version of your singing, uh, what you sang at the lecture. Okay. Can you do one? Well, um, knowledge is our wealth, educating the community to educate themselves. We're doing what we can to uplift the nation. www.blackhistorystudies.com about your history to make sure it doesn't remain a mystery and anything they have hidden we will try to reveal no more legacies will we allow them to steal and what they have stolen we're taking it back up we history we culture we land on all that we're gonna make you proud to be black we're gonna put africa back on top say forward or ever and never turn back and gather up the youths and put them back on track by any means necessary foolishness officer are the truth me a talk me not take back no chat and that's Real talk for a real situation Mentally we still depend the plantation We can change that with real education Make I introduce you to my organization For this and other programs Please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC And on Facebook at African Leadership Centre